News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. Carrie Lamb says she's pressing ahead with a government restructure, but says the next CE will decide how the new op- administration operates. Worried Tunman residents rush for COVID tests amid warnings of silent transmission in the town. And the chief secretary takes aim at The Economist after it alleged that Legco poll was rigged. The new, the, the, excuse me, the chief executive, Carrie Lam, has told newly elected lawmakers that she's finalized plans to restructure the government. In a Q&A session, Mrs. Lam said the changes would include setting up a culture, sports and tourism bureau and splitting housing and transport into separate bureaus. The Home Affairs and Environment Bureaus will be expanded. In all, there will be 13 bureaus instead of 15. Mrs. Lam says it will be up to the next CE to decide whether to appoint deputy ministers. The next term of the government may consider the creation of the posts of deputy secretaries of departments to take forward and coordinate large-scale developments such as the Northern Metropolis and Lantau Tomorrow Vision. Other matters requiring high-level coordination include cross-bureau issues such as national security, climate change and manpower policy. However, whether the posts of deputy secretaries of departments should be created or not is a matter of the style of governance. It should be considered by the chief executive elect. Long queues have formed outside some COVID testing centers in Tunmun after a series of cases in the area and a warning from health officials that there might be silent transmission of the virus. Some people outside the Siu Lun Community Hall told RTHK that they were particularly worried because they'd been to the same places as patients who'd contracted COVID-19. This elderly woman said she'd arrived at 7 in the morning, an hour before the center opened, but she still had to wait several hours before getting tested. I've waited for almost three hours. It's cold, I can't go to the toilet, and there's no place to sit down. I haven't eaten anything yet. I have to go home to cook and look after my grandchild, so it's a bit late now. The chairman of an education concern group says he supports the government's decision to suspend in-person classes for kindergartens and primary schools. But he said the authorities will need to provide support for families until face-to-face lessons resume. Mervyn Jung from the Education Policy Concern Group said young children need more protection in light of the Omicron outbreak. He said the Social Welfare Department and NGOs may need to step in to provide services to families, especially those where both parents work, who may have difficulty take carrying taking care of children. So one way out is for teachers and, and school heads to maintain a very close contact with, with, the, with the parents in relation to the, the home-based learning and care of, of their students. And during the interim period, the social welfare department and other NGOs may think may, may, may also join the line of uh, providing needed services to, to families who have difficulties in taking care of children. A professor of pediatrics has backed calls to allow parents a choice of BioNTech or Sinovac jabs for younger children. Dr. Agnes Leung, an assistant professor from the Chinese University, made the comments after the chief executive, Carrie Lam, announced that Sinovac would be made available for children aged between 5 and 11. Leung said that as data showed Omicron affecting younger children, vaccinating them was wise. Getting the COVID 
jab is the only way to protect your children, especially from severe coronavirus infection. We are seeing very good data from、um, the Western countries for the BioNTech vaccination is highly efficacious. So we can see that more than 90% of the children gets vaccinated can be protected, and the、um, efficacy data is similar to the adult data. And for Sinovac. We are also seeing that children vaccinated with it can mount a very good antibody response against the virus, and even more so than their adult counterpart. The chief secretary has accused the Economist of misleading its readers about the situation in Hong Kong. It's John Lee's second letter admonishing an international news outlet in two weeks. Mike Weeks reports. In its January the eighth edition, the London-based publication ran an editorial headlined "Hong Kong's New Legislature is a Mockery of Democracy." It condemned last month's Legco poll as rigged, arguing that only cheerleaders for the Communist Party could stand, and that many opposition figures are in jail. In his rebuttal, Mr. Lee said the editorial's claim that the poll was rigged was a serious but baseless accusation. He said no country would allow treasonous. Traitors, foreign agents, or other forms of non-patriots to take part in its political system. Mr. Lee continued, "If anything was rigged, it was the deliberately distorted image of Hong Kong that has been manipulated from the dark side of one's personal internal bias." The chief secretary added that the rights to free speech and to run for election were enshrined in the basic law. Cafe Pacific has defended its practice of allowing crew who served on outbound passenger flights to return to Hong Kong on cargo flights. The government is looking into the policy alongside an investigation into breaches of isolation rules by Cafe crew that were blamed for the transmission of the Omicron variant here. The airline said the journeys were in line with regulations and went on for six months. In a video message to staff, Cafe. Chairman Patrick Healy said the company had apologized and would cooperate with the investigations. The decision to rush the staff on cargo-only passenger aircraft to return to Hong Kong was the company's decision, and the company takes full responsibility for that decision. Many thousands of crew have travelled back to Hong Kong on cargo-only passenger flights in 2021. We have made fully transparent and accurate declarations for every crew member. Who was rostered on those flights to the relevant authorities? Joe Biden has given an impassioned speech in support of voting rights reform, saying the next few days could mark a turning point for U.S. democracy. Speaking in Atlanta, Georgia, President Biden said he supported changes to Senate rules which would allow the reforms to be passed without Republican support. The proposed legislation would enable the federal government to override restrictions on voting passed by Republican-controlled states. President had this warning about his predecessor, Donald Trump. The goal of the former president's allies is to disenfranchise anyone who votes against them. Simple as that. The facts won't matter. Your vote won't matter. They'll just decide what they want, and then do it. That's the kind of power you see in totalitarian states, not in democracies. We must be vigilant, and the world is watching. North Korea says its latest weapons test involved a hypersonic missile. State media described yesterday's launch, the second within a week, as successful. Photographs show the North Korean leader Kim Jong Un attending the event. It took place as the UN Security Council met in New York to discuss Pyongyang's missile tests. Stefan Dujarek, the spokesman for the UN Secretary General, urged North Korea to return to denuclearization talks. 
The Secretary General is very concerned by this latest development and reiterates his call on the leadership in the DPRK to comply fully with its international obligations under all relevant Security Council resolutions and to resume talks with the other parties concerned about the situation on the Korean Peninsula. The Canadian province of Quebec has announced plans to become the first government in the world to impose a tax on all those who refuse to be vaccinated against COVID. The Premier, Francois Legault, said the roughly 10% of residents who had not received a first jab were affecting everyone else financially. Details of- they put a very important burden on our healthcare uh, network. And I think it's normal that the majority of the population is asking that there be a consequence. I think we hold them this kind of measure. Details of the new tax have yet to be announced. Unvaccinated adults make up about half of all COVID patients in intensive care in Quebec. Kazakhstan's president has made a rare attack on his mentor and predecessor, Nur Sultan Nazarbayev, saying a small group of people had become very wealthy under his rule. Kasim Jomak Tokayev told the country's parliament the system had been based on the principle that Mr. Nazarbayev's friends could do what they liked, but the, but the law was applied to everyone else. The former president stepped down in 2019 after more than 30 years of autocratic rule. Earlier, Mr. Tokayev said a Russian-led military force, which helped to quell nationwide unrest, would begin leaving on Thursday. Kazakhstan legally approached its partners in our security treaty with a request to send a peacekeeping contingent. It's necessary to understand that at the moment we took such a decision, we could have lost control of Almaty. The most intense phase of the counter-terrorism operation is now complete. All regions are stable. Scientists have warned that the warming climate is likely to have an increasingly devastating impact on buildings and infrastructure built near the Arctic Circle. They say the thawing of the permafrost has already caused significant damage to homes, pipelines and roads. The BBC's Jonah Fisher reports. Much of the impact of the thawing has been in Russia, where nearly two-thirds of the entire country is permafrost and millions of people live in and around the Arctic Circle. This new report says that in one Russian city, 80% of the buildings have been affected by the thaw. With temperatures set to rise further, it predicts widespread damage in Arctic regions of Russia, Canada and Alaska by 2050, at a cost of tens of billions of dollars. The National Bureau of Statistics says the consumer prices climbed 0.9% on the mainland last year. That's well below Beijing's annual inflation target of approximately 3% and down from 2.5% in 2020 and 2.9% in 2019. The consumer price index rose 1.5% year-on-year last month, down from 2.3% in November. The Bureau said food prices dropped 1.2% from December 2020, reversing a 1.6% rise in November. The price of pork slumped 36.7% year-on-year, while the prices of other farm produce, from vegetables to fish and eggs, registered small increases. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 24,244, 505 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $81 billion. In currency, the U.S. dollar is trading at 115.36 to the yen. The euro is standing at 1 U.S. dollar and 13 cents, and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 63 cents. 
In sport, in football, Kalachi Nacho was the star of Nigeria's victory over Egypt in football's Africa Cup of Nations. The Leicester City striker scored a spectacular goal to give the Super Eagles a flying start in Group D. More from BBC's John Bennett. A statement performance for me from the Super Eagles, performance of the tournament so far when it comes to the big teams, certainly. Remember, Nigeria sat their manager last month. They've got an interim boss in charge. Some of their star strikers are missing. That dominated the headlines for them going into the tournament. But they looked sharp. They looked 100% ready to have a good run at this Cup of Nations. The only goal, as you say, scored by Kelechi Iheanacho, cracking strike edge of the box dead center half volley left footed into the top corner uh, remember they're missing Emmanuel Dennis Watford didn't allow him to leave they're missing Victor Osserman due to injury and COVID-19 Odione Gallo's not there as well the top scorer from the last Cup of Nations because his club didn't release him but Kelechi Iheanacho is there and that was a great performance from him at the other end, Nigeria kept Mohamed Salah very quiet. Just one chance, a one-on-one -on -one opportunity for him, which was well saved. All is not lost for, for Egypt. They've got Sudan and Guinea-Bissau to come. You'd expect them to win those games, but really impressive from Nigeria. There was action in the English Premier League last night in one of the games rescheduled from the middle of last month. Southampton beat Brentford 4-1 at St. Mary's to move up to 11th in the table comfortable 13 points above the drop zone. The BBC's Alistair Bruce Ball was there. Southampton are enjoying their longest unbeaten home run in the league for over five years and this 4-1 scoreline certainly didn't flatter them. They simply outclassed Brentford. Jan Bednarek's header got them in front after five minutes. Vitali Janelt equalised with a sweet left foot volley but that was just temporary respite for the visitors. Ibrahima Diallo's bouncing shot came back off a post and in off the Brentford keeper Alvaro Fernandez. Then Armando Broya and Shea Adams helped themselves to goals in the second half. Both teams are comfortably clear of the relegation zone at the moment but on this evidence, Brentford fans will be the more concerned about getting sucked down the table and three of their next four games are against Liverpool and the two Manchester clubs. Testing times ahead. Tottenham will have to overturn a 2-0 first leg deficit against Chelsea tonight if they're to reach the final of the English League Cup. Spurs boss Antonio Conte admits it will be a challenge against their London rivals. It's hard because uh, we know very well that uh, we are facing against uh, uh, a really top team that last season... Uh, uh, they won the Champions League and uh, in the summer they invested much money to, to improve the squad and uh, in this moment we are, uh, we are playing against uh, uh, the best in Europe. And in the weather, mainly cloudy, sunny intervals during the day, moderate to fresh east to northeasterly winds. The outlook remaining cool in the morning the next couple of days. Current temperature 17 degrees Celsius, humidity 73%. And looking to end the news, the top stories once again, Carrie Lamb says she's pressing ahead with the government restructure and worried Tunman residents rush for COVID tests. And the chief secretary takes aim at The Economist after it alleged, alleged that the LegCo poll was rigged. And that's the news from RTHK.
And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, the 12th of January is today's date. Many thanks to the newsroom. Also, many thanks to Phil Whelan for the morning brew this morning. Since today's Wednesday, we'll be catching up with the lovely Cruzy McCalligan. This week, Cruzan will be joining us for our midweek audio column and we'll be talking about meetings. How many of you enjoy meetings? Do you have any strategies in managing meetings? Is there a good way to meet? I remember we once had uh, news meetings sitting down, but nowadays I can reveal to you that the news meetings uh, take place standing up. 